I love this. I do love this time of year. I love just about everything about it. And I'm excited for this little sermon series we're gonna do called Do You Hear What I Hear? And the idea is that there is such truth in these songs, such biblical truth. So, so like this one right here. So, so O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel literally means God with us. And uh, such an incredible name to describe this Jesus who came to be with us, this God who came. So from the beginning of creation, right, it was God's desire to dwell with man. You see that, that on, a, on a regular basis in the evening, God literally would come to the Garden of Eden and spend time with Adam and Eve in a very personal way. He literally walked with them in the garden. It was his desire to be with them, and then they sinned and broke that fellowship, and, and then as, as, as the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness, they, they build a tabernacle, and this tabernacle held the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, and God came down and dwelt with his people, and then later, as they settled the city of Jerusalem, uh, they were allowed to build a, a temple, and then once a year, God would come down to that temple, and he would be with his people, all of this foreshadowing the day when a song like this would be fulfilled, when God himself would come, the Emmanuel, the God with us. So for, for the Israelite, for the Jews, there is such significance in the name Emmanuel because to that Jewish audience, they knew what it meant. And that's why there's a mournfulness to a song like this as they are looking forward and longing for the day for Emmanuel to come, as predicted um, by Isaiah. So Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, and we have recorded his words um, in the Old Testament. One of the largest books in the Old Testament is Isaiah. And you can find woven in some of his prophecies the prediction of the coming Messiah. For instance, this was written 740 years before Jesus was born. And he says this in Isaiah chapter seven, it says in verse 14, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And almost word for word, we see that again in the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew, which was written to a largely Jewish audience who would understand what this meant. As Matthew writes in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, this is in reference to Isaiah 7, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, say this with me, God with us. This declaration that God is with us blew their minds, especially once Jesus' family and his disciples began to grasp what that actually meant. Now, why is that such a big deal? What made this announcement so powerful that sent the shepherds away rejoicing, that caused kings to bow down to Jesus? that this God would no longer be far away, but be up close and personal, able to touch him and speak with him and be right in his presence. 
As John said in the first chapter of his book, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's an incredible thought. Have you ever prayed, God, be with me? Like I need something right now. I need this in my life or I need your help. I need your presence in my life. I'm not sure what that means to you. I'm, this idea of God being with us is so possible. But there are some times in life where we feel like we need his presence more. And there are some times in life when we feel like, man, I just, I need something more right now. Maybe you're experiencing difficulties or you sense shame or you feel distant or you just don't feel him around and you pray a prayer like, God, I, I need you right now. I need to feel your presence. I need you to be with me right now. Before you leave today, my prayer for you is that you will know that God is with you. God is and God was, and God will be. So as we look at this name, Emmanuel, God with us, I want to assure you, first of all, that God is with you. Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel visits Mary. My favorite depiction of the Christmas story is the beginning of Luke. We read Luke chapter 2 every Christmas morning. I just love how the whole thing flows, and in Luke chapter 1, it says this, and this is present tense. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. I love this. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. He was about to give her some pretty incredible news, right? Like he was about to just throw it down. He was about to blow her world wide open. And he wanted to assure her before she found out this incredible news, the Lord is with you. God knows how important it is to us to sense and feel his presence. So he reminded her from the beginning, listen, I want you to know the Lord is with you. That's present tense. So when, when we feel alone, he is your companion. When you feel lost, he is your guide. When you feel weak, he can be your strength. This is so important, in fact, that when he left earth about 33 years later, in John chapter 14, he is telling his disciples about his imminent departure. He said, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you without some help. I will, John chapter 14, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send you a comforter, which is a really odd name in our lingo today. When I think of a comforter, I think of something that keeps me warm at night, right? Or someone who gives you condolences and a pat on the back, but this is, means so much more. This word comforter that Jesus promised to send is actually the Greek word parakaleo or paraclete. And that means literally to come alongside of. 
So he's saying, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm, I'm not going to stay on earth forever, but I, when I go, I will send the comforter, the person who will be with you, who will walk alongside you in life. That's God the Spirit, God himself. This is what God does. He comes alongside of us. He is. He always is. You, by, by the way, you don't have to see him for him to be there. You don't even have to sense that he's there for him to be there. Because the truth of the matter is his presence doesn't depend on your acknowledgement. But your peace does. So, so, so catch this, your presence, that the presence of God with you doesn't depend on our acknowledgement, but our peace does. And the truth of the matter is that, that for, for many of us, he is with you whether or not you feel like he is or not. Sure, there's going to be storms, but that doesn't change his presence because it's better to be in a storm with Jesus than anywhere else without him. God is with you, alongside you in every aspect of your life. He's very present with you. So God is with you. Also, God was with you, right? Here's the truth. Hindsight being what it is, it's sometimes easier to see his presence in the past than in the present, right? Because we can look back on life and see the hand of God working in our life, and it's easier to see his presence in the past than what he's doing in our life right now. That event that conversation that you had with somebody, that relationship that you had that changed the direction of your life in such a subtle way at that moment that had such huge ramifications, the conversation about a job change or the introduction to your future spouse or, or the, the, the career opportunity that came about or the, the financial lesson that you gained and learned that has, that has transformed the course of your life seemed less than significant when it happened. But as you look back on it, it's like, man, I could see how God worked in my life. Sometimes it's so beneficial to see that. And as I look back in my life and I can see the five or six major shifts and location changes in my life, it all was affected by one little conversation or one little moment or one, one word of encouragement from somebody that just made me try something or, or taught me something. Some of the conversations were difficult. But as I look back, I can see God's hand working. Think about Joseph. In the Old Testament, there's the story of one of the patriarchs, right? He was, he was one of the, 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 the early fathers of the Jewish nation, and he was one of 12. You may have heard of his, many, uh, his coat of many colors, right? He was the youngest and not super well-liked. I got a feeling he was that typical little brother, that liked to do little brother things to irritate his older brothers to the point that they wanted to kill him. You understand that, right? They, they, they threw him in a pit, and then they eventually sold him to slave traders going into Egypt. 
how in the world can God be in this? This is the worst experience of his young life. And then he, and then he, gets, then he gets sold into slavery to this man, Potiphar. And God blesses, and maybe, maybe there was a part of Joseph that says, okay, now this makes sense. All right, I'm, 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 I'm a slave, right? But I'm a really good slave. Like, I am a slave, but I'm really a prosperous one. And, and Potiphar put him, and then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And he gets thrown into jail, like the dungeon. How is this working? God, you got my hopes up. Like, how can this be part of God's plan? How can, how can what I am going through be God's will, quote unquote? And then sitting in jail, God blesses him there, and he found favor in the eyes of the man who was keeping the jail, and he put him in charge of everything. And well, what's, what's interesting, I think in chapters 34 and 35 of Genesis, it talks about, there's, there's a phrase, and it says, and God was with Joseph. And then the very next chapter says, but God was with Joseph. God was part of all of this, right? And then, of course, if, if you're not familiar with the story, let me finish it for you because I don't want to leave you hanging, right? He gets called up out of prison. And long story short, he becomes the vice president with actually some power in Egypt and is number two only to Pharaoh himself and is used of God not only to save this entire nation, but his family and 70 members of his family moved back to Egypt because it was a horrible famine and he's able to save their lives and be reintroduced to his family. And here's what he said, I know that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, he couldn't say that in the pit, right? He couldn't necessarily say that in Potiphar's house or when he was in jail. But looking back on his life, he was able to look at God's hand leading him all the way to, he, and he became the savior of his people. He's a picture of Christ. And there is this beautiful way to look at your past and see all that God has done. So what do we do with that? Like, like can we use what we have seen God do in our lives, past tense, to build our faith, present tense? Like, can we do something with this knowledge that God is with us because God was with us, and if God was with us, then I know that he is with us. God has a perfect track record. So you say, I, I can't see it, Eric. I can't see how this situation that I'm in right now is a God thing. I can't see how, how he is with me in this moment. Well, let me just ask you two questions. Number one, is there any good you can see? Is there any good that you can see in any of this? Like, is, can you at least do a mental exercise and say, all right, this is not ideal, but I, I can see some good in this, all right? My second question is this. Can you trust him for the rest? Like, can you see some good in what is happening? And if so, all right, let's, let's hang on to that. And then can you, because of his great track record, can we... Can we trust him for the rest? Now, let me just be quite honest with you. There are things that have happened in my life that I still don't get, that I still don't understand. Dare I say that I disagree with God about. 
And I don't mean that in a blasphemous way. I don't see the reason behind it, but that doesn't mean it wasn't good. I'm just saying that I, knowing what I know, I'm Eric, right? He's God, I'm Eric. No comparison, right? He's, he's infinite, I'm finite. I can't wrap my brain around God. I wouldn't want to be able to. And so if there are things you don't understand about your life, that's okay. You're not God. But can you see some good in it? And if you can see some good in it, can you trust God for the rest? Sometimes the best way to believe that he is with you now is to look at how he was with you in the past. Babby Mason wrote a song, co-wrote a song in 2001 that has such beautiful meaning. It's called Trust His Heart. Hear the words, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you can't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. There are things in our life that we don't get, and I get it. Like I, I live that. But just because you don't, look, look at what he's done. Like, look at what, and just because you disagree doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> That's hard to swallow, right? Randall taught me this. There's truth, and then there's truth as you see it. Not always the same. Like there's, there's this, we, we don't agree, but that doesn't mean you're, you're right. Faith is knowing that he will because he has. Right? I know that he will because he has. So God is with us and God was with us and you know what's coming next, right? God will be with us, if you're one of those people who want to fill all the blanks in before I get there. This was an easy week to do that, by the way. <laughs> Next week, not so much. God will be with you as you look ahead at what might possibly happen one day in your life at some point. What does your future hold, good or bad, helpful or hurtful? Cancer? Marriage, job, college, a financial windfall, a financial disaster. You don't know, I don't know. But as we march into the future, be assured that God will be with you. I love what Paul said to the church in Rome. He said this in Romans chapter eight. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword. And then he goes on to say this. He said, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, I, I got news. That's, that means nothing you can do either, right? We like to think that nothing out there can separate us from the love. You can't separate you from the love of God either. Nothing can separate you. 
not your doubts, not your mistakes, your disappointments, your failures, your sin. You know, he said, I will never leave you. He wasn't kidding. You'll never be alone. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are what? With me. Nothing will separate us. Nothing you can do is greater than the God who is with you. And nothing that can happen to you is greater than the God who keeps you. God is with us. God was with us and God will be with us. So, so what? So, so knowing this, could I ask you this? Would you open your heart to him? Knowing this, knowing this, will you open your heart to him? Because I think you have two choices, right? I can either look for hope in this world horizontally and look for hope here or I can look for hope vertically from God who is, was, and will be with me. Maybe you feel like you were on the outside looking in. Like you like all of this. You like the songs. You, you like the spirit that you sense and feel. You like, you like this church stuff. Maybe this isn't the kind of religion that you are familiar with. You like all of this, right? And you think it's really nice, but you feel like you're on the outside looking in. It may be because you are. I don't know what your story is. Like, I don't know what you're leaning on. But going to church your whole life doesn't make you a child of God. And being born into a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. I sat in my garage yesterday for a couple hours. I didn't become a car. (laughs) Right? Just because you come to church doesn't mean you are a Christian. That's a personal decision that each one of us needs to make. At the end of this service, we're going to have a couple folks down front here. And after we dismiss, they will stay as long as needed to have a conversation with you about what it means to become a Jesus follower, to give your life to him. That's what, that's what this is all about. Like, like it, it's about living a life here on earth with heaven as your destination. And allowing God to just change everything in your life here on earth. It's opening up your heart to him saying, yeah, there's lots of hurts. There's lots of failures. There's lots of sin. There's a lot of difficulty. But I would much rather go through life with you than on the outside looking in. Yeah, Eric, but there's a lot of things in my life I need to get straightened up before I become a church person. We're not talking about being a church person. We're talking about knowing Jesus and letting him do what Jesus wants to do in your heart and life, opening yourself up to him. That's like saying, right, I gotta gotta go clean up before I get in. No, you just come on in and let God worry about the mess. He can do a lot better job with you than you have been doing so far on your own. 
Open your heart to Jesus. One of the largest burdens I carry as a pastor is pastoring people who don't know Jesus. But they think that they do because they come to church. I want to be very clear. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think Virginia Hills Church is a wonderful place. I think it's a little slice of heaven. But just being here doesn't do it. Has there ever been a time in your life when you opened up your heart to Jesus Christ? He said, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hot dog. How awesome. You're a whosoever. Just you sitting there right now, you're a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. My whosoever moment came when I was nine years old. The first time I ever heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's been like 20-some years now. (laughs) And I still lie about other things. But only your decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ will make that happen for you. Open your heart to him. And then my second and final point here. So I want you to value the with more than the from's and if's and even those. Now I know that that's in and of itself is a really weird sentence. And part of that's intentional because you might remember weirdness more than normal. But we run to God when we need help from a problem. We spend time in prayer when we need help from something. We want him to take away the pain or remove us from the situation or change the individual or deliver us from a problem. And he may. But before that happens, could I ask you to place greater value on being with him? Place greater value on the with in your relationship rather than just needing the help from. So, so value the with more than the deliver me from. And then I would ask you this, don't put ifs in your relationship with him. God, if you would just help me right here. If you would do that, let's, let's, let's remove the if from the equation. He's already done, Right? You keep adding conditions to his love for you. You keep adding conditions to your love for him. When he's already done it, like he, he's, there's nothing more he can do to show his love for you. And yet we, but if you would just do this, then I think I might believe in you. If you would, if you would just solve this problem, then I promise I will. We make deals, right? It's already been done. Refer to point number one, open your heart, right? Value the with more than the from and the ifs. And the even those, even though there's pain, even though there is heartache. You know, interesting story in the New Testament, Jesus had a a family that he was really close friends with, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
and he heard Lazarus was sick. And he could have healed him, but he didn't come. He could have healed him without coming. He'd done it before. He was a long-distance healer, but he didn't. He took his time. By the time he got there, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. I don't know why. Martha said this to Jesus. If you had been here, then Lazarus wouldn't have died. Do you feel that? Like, if you had just been here, you let me down. You let me down on this one, Jesus. And here's the thing. The Bible records the fact that Jesus wept with them before he raised Lazarus from the dead. What's that all about? Like, why, number one, why did he let him die? Right? Why did he put that family through that? And why did he sit there weeping with them? when he could have just healed him right then and, and raised him from the dead. I don't know, but there has to be value in the fact that he sat there with them and wept with them. The with was important. So value his presence in your life. Melissa and I try to go out on a date once a week. It's usually Friday, uh, unless I have something more important to do. And then it's... Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, mostly. But I, what, what I love, like, so, so we'll take off. Sometimes we talk about, like, what do you want to do? You know, let's go do this. Let's go do that, right? Um, by the way, little, little tip, guys. Um, instead of saying, where do you want to go out to eat? If you were to take a friend out to eat right now, <laughs> where would you go? So anyway, we'll get in the car and go. One of my favorite things is, like, she hardly ever asks, where are we going? She just likes to be with me. I know, right? It's like, but, but just sit for a second. Like, like, sit in that for a minute. Like, so, so we're in the car. She doesn't know where we're going. Most of the time, I don't either. It's like, you know, trying to figure out. But a lot of times when we are going somewhere together, she doesn't even ask where we're going. And I'd be like, don't you want to know where we're going? Sure, but I don't have to know. I just like being with you. After 30 years, right? She ain't faking this. How can you fake this? I'm just saying. I know it. I'm so full of myself. It's just not even. But what I love about that is that the with is more important than the where or the what. We're together. We're together. I sell real estate, right? And there have been so many times when we've been out on a date and I get a call from a client. Hey, um, and the date night takes priority, right? But sometimes she'll be like, who was that? Oh, so-and-so, they wanted to see it. Let's go. Let's go. Because it's fun just being together, going and doing this stuff too. 
So, so to me, the point there is that the with is more important than the what or the where or even sometimes the why. God with us. I'll finish with this statement. If you want to experience more of God's love, it's your heart that needs to change because he can't love you any more than he already has. That's the Christmas story. That's the Christmas message. He can't love you any more than he already has. So open your heart to him and value the with more than anything else. Let's pray. Father, we are so excited. We're so happy to be, to be in your presence. We love the fact that you walk with us in life, that you are in us as your children. And my heart's prayer is that those that feel distant would draw close. Those that, that don't sense your presence would open their eyes. And that those who don't know you would open their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.